Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is an employee-owned company that makes the best artist materials for making that you can get. Over the last 25 years or so, I've been using Golden Acrylics, Mediums, and Materials, and I stand by the quality in their products. They make acrylics that stay wet longer, they dry flat, mediums to make you paint super thick and beautifully fluid. They also make Williamsburg oil paints and core watercolors as well. You can find Golden in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the fine coffee makers at Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum has amazing coffee beans that you can order straight to your door. On their website, you can choose from different roasts from different origins, and you can even get a coffee subscription where you can get different beans delivered to your door each week or month. I'm on this subscription plan and it's amazing. As a coffee fanatic, getting new roasts all the time delivered fresh to the door is amazing. If you get to Seattle, you can even see a 10 foot by 40 foot mural of mine in their 6th and Bell Street shop. Check out Fulcrum Coffee Roasters at fulcrumcoffee.com. Ella Honan Ford is a singer and songwriter from North London, England. She studied jazz voice at the Royal Academy of Music. She's garnered much attention from her live streams during lockdown and has recently released her debut EP, Infinity, on Young Poet. Ellen and I talk about the old big voices of jazz, mining influence, child psychology, records that mean a lot, and much more. Here's our conversation. Today the rain seemed to never end. Sometimes I think we both know we pretend that things will last forever. And I love this game of like, yeah, the, the degrees of separation or the, like the mutual, the Venn diagram of, of just who do you know and where from and what's the connection? Right. It's such a it's a fun game, isn't it? <laughs> you realize we're all very closely connected. And that uh, fun other game, because I was playing that game yesterday because I was what, listening to your the live streams that you were doing with the band Web City. Uh, Is that what they Yeah, called? Web City. Yeah, so, and I was working, but I had it on, on my other screen. Mm. And like... And listening to all those old songs, I mean, I used to be a jazz DJ, so oh, no it, it, you know, dusts off some cobwebs of people that, uh, you know, from like Chet Baker. And then I got into, after you were, uh, I think it was you were driving me crazy, you you guys played that, which was great. And yeah. then it made me think of Annie Ross. Mm. So I was like, I gotta, and since you were live streaming it, I was like, I gotta see if there's a live version of Twisted. And of course she did it with Count Basie. And there's a video of it, which is amazing that you could just hop on YouTube and see that. So I went down like a 
Kendrick's Lambert's Ross, like, you know, <laughs> rabbit hole of like, you know, it was just crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it's all connected. Like the music, you know, in thinking about how you triangulate your influences and what your sound is, mm. it's kind of this unconscious, like two or three degrees separation of all these things that you've listened to in your life. Yeah. And that's such a cool one to pick out as well. Like Lambert Hendrix and Ross is so niche. Like Annie Ross, so on, like underrated and like, yeah, really, really an interesting, like little, almost like a little blip on the timeline of jazz. Like that, that whole scene was just super vi- vibrant and then kind of, kind of disappeared after like what, yeah. 15, 20 years or something of it being kind of in. I mean, it was never really in to be vocalese. It was never like pop music, but. It's like fringe, you know? Yeah. But it was going on. Mm. It was a thing. But there's always, I find uh, the same thing happens in art. There will be a movement, like if you take pop art, and then there's your Warhols and your Basquiat's. But then there's like these sort of like third tier people who didn't get the acclaim. But that work is really compelling because it's not as mainstream. Like you don't understand it as much, yeah. but you can dig for influence in those sort of like secondary tertiary tiers of people around a movement of something yeah like i didn't find of course i knew billy holiday from the jump but i didn't know blossom deary until later on right and i was like oh my god this stuff is amazing yeah like i've never heard it you know so it's kind of fun to to get into those layers of those niche like like in bebop we all know dizzy gillespie but do people know who babs gonzalez is right and he was kind of like a kook you know mm-hmm. like it was but it was so good and i don't think dizzy would have done what he did if it wasn't for someone like that so it's just right exactly those fringe, those people who pushed a bit harder in terms of the boundaries of the music they end up they they pave the way right they create the opportunity for someone to to be for, to make it more of a mainstream thing or more accessible accessible um sound yeah i'm yeah. totally with you yeah and you know when thinking about like i was reading about what I could find of your influences and, and stuff. And there's like a whole side of, I'm sure of what you've been influenced by, maybe on the folk end of the spectrum or the, or, you know, like you were mentioning Dylan and stuff like that, that I never really got that. It's not that I don't like it. Mm. It's just, I've never mined that territory. Mm. So I feel like there's a whole side of like your influence that I'm just, I don't know that much about. Mm. But then when you, bring up dirty projectors or you know uh, people like like that those people i know well and um yeah so it, it's funny to think about you know how much of what you want to do creatively is it is it do you take an equal sort of like bits and pieces of all this stuff or mm. like how do you is it organic or are you strategic about okay i want to add this element because it feels a little bit more like this kind of music or something Mm. I guess with the so having studied jazz at 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 academy at at the Royal Academy of Music I that music and that sort of study was like very deep and very um like it's in the fabric of me that music really from the like from the early jazz singers up until like contemporary British jazz music, like really niche stuff. I spent a lot of time around that music and playing that music and writing in that kind of, um, in that world, because the, the course has got a lot of composition um, as a part of it. So I, f- I feel like that, I ne- I'm never thinking about that, those influences. Like that's, that's just kind of, will always be there, I think. 
and yeah. the other the other world the other side of the coin of the maybe the the stranger yeah stranger sounds or or um yeah people like dirty projectors or um bjork or like meryl garbus from tune yards like who you you probably wouldn't listen to them and me and be like oh i see the link straight away because it's sonically such a different world i but I, I feel like the whole time i was in college and in that jazz community that was like my kind of my secret um my 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 guilty pleasure sort, sort of right. kind of music that i really loved and was like wow i want i want to be like that that's the world that that is super inspiring and that's not to say that the jazz world wasn't and isn't it just was always there so it was kind of a, yeah moving and navigating those worlds in different ways um and and similarly with kind of that more folkier stuff and i mean i guess Joni mitchell was someone that straddled those two worlds effortlessly and kind of was respected by the jazz community and also pushing different boundaries and coming from a different lineage um which was which was very cool to me um and then i i still feel like i know very little about that world really i'm i'm still discovering it daily um yeah and i and i also grew up playing singing some bluegrass with two i've got two two of my best friends they're americans um who live who's grown up in england but they have um like connections to that music and yeah playing bluegrass or appalachian folk music and um i i don't i'm not schooled on it i don't know much about it but i i know if some of those songs and it comes kind of quite naturally to me because of, of having grown up singing that music. Um, yeah. Even though my kind of vocal sound is very different to that, to that world. So yeah, sorry, it's a long, a long winded way of saying that. I guess it's not, it's not super intentional, but I think at the moment the jazz influences sit kind of deeply rooted in, in the fabric of me and, and that they'll, They'll be there. I still have many friends in that world, and I go and see that music and drink it in. Um, and what I'm actively learning about is those is those other influences. Yeah, well, I would argue that it's funny because jazz at this point is be it it's become historical. It is this thing, and I think the idea of what made jazz jazz was this sort of avant garde of pushing, you know, the framework of what a song could be. Mm. Nowadays, that is, you know, something like Tune Yards or like that is more avant-garde in a sense of, in the sense of the spirit of what jazz is. Mm. It, that's what that means. Now, like, you know, if you do a standard, you're, you're basically, I don't know, it's like a cover, not just in the, you're covering the song, but you're covering that style of music that already had its moment, you know, in mm. when it was really describing itself and setting itself apart from music before it. So I think that, you know, it's funny, like these days I grew up, you know, in the 90s, early 90s, listening to drum and bass. It was like a big thing. It was new, you know, and now I kind of hear it sometimes. People pl make it, you know, they'll put drum and bass in their songs and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of like, you know, mm. like I'm, I've lived through that cycle and it's pretty cool. But it's now at this point, it's just sort of quoting it's like a reference that already happened. Yeah, exactly. But there's something great about that. But I think the avant-garde now, or the idea of like where pushing music is, is, you know, b because society is so global in the sense of influence is so readily available. Like you could go on Spotify and listen to, you know, music from Mozambique and then, you know, Cuban, like you could just go all over the place. 
that, you know, that is starting to infuse into the way people, you know, make music or think about music is taking elements from all these different places. Mm. You know? Like when I was growing up, I just didn't, I wasn't around a Latino community, not until I got to New York. I didn't know what merengue was. I didn't know what reggaeton was. Like now it's, you know, it's on, it's like the top 10 people on Spotify. You're going to have a couple sort of like reggaeton people on there. Yeah. You know? So it's like that exposure, I think, changes the way we think about things and i think that's the same thing happens in art mm. it's like you can look back at so many different genres of work and people kind of like remix it in a way or that's their voice is like taking all these influences and how do you make it your own yeah totally and and if you ask any artist i'd say most artists these days when you say you know what what lane would you put your music in or who are your influences? And everyone says like, well, my, my music's a real melting pot. And it's like, okay, everyone's saying that doesn't really help anyone. Um, right. Which, I mean, I understand. I'm, I, I think I would say the same, would I say the same thing? I try not to say that because I don't think it's super helpful, but um, I guess we are all melting pots. But as long as people are still going deep in, in, those, in those worlds, like it's obviously so easy to, to just hear the... Um, yeah like like jazz i guess is jazz has had it's having a bit of a moment at the moment i th- i think like it's jazz in the sort of like classic way and yeah it's quite interesting like i do a bit of teaching and it's quite interesting um people's perceptions of what jazz is and how to become a jazz singer or how to bring jazz influences to their music um and it's something that i'm trying to that I'm practicing is to, in a compassionate way, be able to talk about jazz in in a not, um, yeah, just like in a sort of a detached way. So just be like, yeah, you can take a few things and you can listen to these, some key records and um, without being like, you have to listen to this record 200 times to understand the beauty right. of it. And if you want to learn how to, to really like improvise, for example, like or like scat, I don't really like that word, but um, to improvise as a vocalist, like that's gonna take you like 10 years. <laughs> and that to me is really exciting, but I think most people just kind of wanna get like the essence of that music. And, and like you're saying, like it did represent this, like it was punk, right? It's like super punk. Um, yeah. And how does that fit now? And what does jazz look like now? I think it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for it. And the, and the fact that also there's so much access to information um, about music that you could be an amazing improviser, amazing kind of navigator of harmony and have a deep understanding of rhythm and musical complexity without having ever really listened to like, quote unquote, jazz. Yeah. Which, yeah, I find, I find kind of strange. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that that context of things changes things because I was the other day I was watching my friend Evan who is um he's in a band called Ratatat. He was talking about how great Herb Albert was when we were talking, mm. and uh, you know I hadn't thought that much about a Herb Albert. My my dad had that record, you know, the whipped cream record or whatever, uh-huh. but it just seemed like goofy. But watching this documentary and understanding all that, like, and he started A and R Records. I didn't know this stuff. Oh, wow. It's a fascinating story. But now I feel like maybe, you know, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have access to that kind of information in the breadth that you have it where you could just watch a YouTube documentary and like, like, oh my God, look at all. 
you know, you, you do get more information or, I don't know, it just changes, I think, the way we interpret music. I mean, there's always the initial call and response of like hearing it and you, it makes you feel a certain way. Mm. But then now we have so much more backstory and stuff, mm. which is really compelling. But the thing that I was, that I would normally ask you is like, okay, well, a lot of artists, all right, we, did you always draw? Did you, like, when did you find out you like to make art or draw or whatever? In the case of you, I like, I guess the question is more like, how do you realize? Because you technically, like, the sound of your voice is just, like, amazing. So uh, when did you find out you had a really good voice? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, when did, it's funny. I guess when I got into music in, at a more of singing at a, a more kind of deeper level, I was approaching it as a as an instrumentalist whose voice was whose instrument was my voice. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And I, it was a big insecurity of mine that I didn't have a big voice. Um, I always felt that at music college I wasn't taking up enough space or kind of fitting the role of that, you know, beautiful, um, kind of flamboyant, Sarah Vaughan-esque, um, uh, amazing, what's the word I'm looking for? Just dr- dramatic performer. I, didn't, I never really felt yeah. like that. I kind of would get feedback that I would sort of hide behind the other instrumentalists a bit and um so I, I my my insecurity was always that the quality of my voice wasn't wasn't enough or it wasn't big enough and I guess Yeah, but that's in that's in college. That's like we're talking about like later on. But what about when you're a kid? When I was a kid I I just sung I just sung. I didn't I didn't think about it. I didn't think Actually, no. One one point of like okay maybe I can do this was I had my first ever jazz singing lesson when I was maybe 14 and um it was yeah with with this woman who was who was studying at the academy of music so she's like 10 years older than me and so I thought she was the coolest person in the world we had one lesson and and I kind of gave it a go and she was like you're really good at this like you could totally do this and and at 14 I I think you're kind of rubbish at everything so the idea that I wouldn't be like like, wow I can kind of do this so that that was a moment but beyond that I don't remember thinking about it that much I I didn't do exams and I was in the school musicals which I enjoyed but um there was and I just loved being around it I loved I played the flute as well like when you were growing up my mom plays the piano um okay and yeah that's a start yeah so there, (laughs) there was there was that and I I loved the sound of the piano I didn't play it much um and I'd she was in this little choir that that sung every 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 week and I'd sing with my two friends this this bluegrass stuff I loved hanging out with them and singing um Mm -hmm. yeah so it was around you it was around there was opportunities to sing and so you could kind of like find yourself in that process you know what I mean it wasn't like I don't know because there's probably someone (laughs) There's probably someone out there who has a really amazing singing voice, but they just weren't around music a lot when they were a kid. It's not like your vocal cords, well, I don't know. It's not like your vocal cords were, you know, trained or moved to a certain, I mean, obviously you studied singing and you got better at it, Mm. but you had this core 
capability. Mm. You know what I mean? I guess. This is curious. Yeah. As to, you know. Sorry. Like how that manifests itself. But it, it sounds like you had a fertile environment where there was some music as part of your growing up that you were able to just sing and start to, you know, explore it. Yeah. And I think maybe the, the thing that I've, that I've responded to that I felt really connected to was like the storytelling and, and the, the people side of it, I guess having like a psychologist mum and yeah. that being a big part of talking about emotions and understanding people in, in, and being, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, Can't imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that kind of being compassionate and, and, and trying to, yeah, understand people who are different. I think music was a, a way to do that or singing was a way to do that. And I loved music as a, as a thing. And then there was the two kind of came together at some point. Um, yeah. But there wasn't like I I wasn't there wasn't a moment when I was sixteen where I was like I'm gonna be a singer like it it was I think I just continued to be pulled towards it and it was like this is how I can connect with people and and this this is how I can express myself and yeah a jumble of those things I guess I also actually um I did tap dancing lessons when I was a kid. When I was really young. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And that's altered like standards, right? Um, my grandma tap dances. Well, she's 86. She still tap dances. Um, wow. That's impressive. Yeah, she's, she's impressive. And uh, Did you watch some videos of like Gregory Hines? Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with um, like Gene Kelly and, and oh, yeah. that kind yeah, of yeah. world. And all, and all those, right. that music and, and those songs. So that was also kind of Im- embedded in there. Um, yeah yeah it sounds like you were into performing too yeah it's like you know if you were in musicals well i guess some people are in school musicals and they're shy about it but it helps them explore you know this performative element of being i remember being in a town show and playing for some reason daryl hall of hall and oats which was funny because the other guy was oats and he was much taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have anyone but you know, like being on stage, that's like a thing. You know, you start to feel like, oh, wow, this is like, it's different when you're standing up there in front of all these people. And you, I think certain people gravitate towards it and they feel like, oh, well, it's not easy, but there's something like exhilarating about it. Yeah. And other people are like, I am not getting back on that. Stage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not for me. Funnily enough, I got back, I got back on that stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a positive thing. Actually my, my mom and dad also kind of um my dad's not musical but he's a big supporter of music and mm-hmm. um as an extension of the choir that she that she was in um would have these music nights where I mean yeah, I don't know why I didn't say that. this must have been a big part of it. I it's um of kind of growing into who I am as a as a musician but of, of sort of twice a year or so having her friends round and my friends round and family and everyone would, would perform something and, and that would be, you know, your grade two flute piece or read a poem or um, there were people who played guitar in church and would just like play the song that they played in church. And uh, that was a really beautiful space to just like, I guess, practice performing and to feel the power of community around music and, and, and that side of it and just how lovely that is and how you can see a whole other side to, to someone when they're put in that vulnerable position of, you know, people's right. dads who you just usually see like 
hey, how are you doing? And and not connect any further. And then you see them on stage shaking, trying to play their one piano piece and right. and their relief and the joy that comes after it and the sort of the adrenaline that comes with that connection. Um, yeah. So that that was was probably a very formative part of my musical development too. Yeah, there's something really nice about that. I mean, I you know, as a not on a huge level or anything, you know, like being in, having been in bands and going on tour and playing for people and then making art and then putting it in a gallery mm. and, and going out for an opening or something, but that's pretty much it. You don't really have as much, you know, the creative act is separate. Mm. It's like in the studio, you have this intimate creativity, you know, creative sort of moment of doing the work and then you go take it somewhere else and hang it up. It's much different than when you're playing music and people just hear it and feel it in a moment. Mm. If there's one thing I miss about that, it is that connection, that immediacy mm. of like connecting in a moment. And your creative, like what you're creating resonates in someone like literally, physically. Yes. And then it's over, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think a Which lot about cool. that physical resonation. R- resonation. Res- Resonance. Resonance. Thank you. Yeah. That that word. (laughs) Um, Resonating about yeah. When I'm thinking about like vocal technique, I think a lot about that. About how you how to how how people are moved and how why people are moved. Um, And in terms of that, like feedback, that immediate feedback of just the feeling of people in the room. The the live streaming on Reddit was very interesting for that. Um, Yeah. Because you had. Because I we had this strange, constant feedback in in numbers, and also that people could. It's like the equivalent would be if you're in doing a gig, and and the people at the back are like, in the middle of your ballad, oh play this, or like oh I'm leaving now, right. or like well, blah, blah, blah. it's co- like that constant thing, and and it was a skill to learn to like read comments and keep singing. <laughs> I think the format worked for it though because you were playing sort of like these jazzy numbers it almost felt like the environment was ripe for that kind of interactions whereas Mm. if it were just if you were doing like singer songwriter stuff and you were doing let's say 12 songs Mm. like performing on a record or something that would be you would probably have to ignore the chat and not really engage until afterwards because but the the sort of playfulness of those songs and how in jazz people take breaks like you would take a break yeah piano's going and you know like that's it's integrated into music a little more that interaction with the crowd of like people clapping after the guitarist takes the solo Mm. you know what i mean that doesn't really happen in other kinds of music yeah it's a really good point interesting yeah and we were sort of chatting to each other and it was and i think yeah as you say it worked because i think also it wasn't trying to be a live gig it wasn't trying to replicate um the experience of being at a show it's like that is never going to be replaced but yeah a different experience is like what is it like to be you know in the band and be yeah. kind of talked to like like you're going to cue the next section right it's like the practice room like you're inviting you know thousands of people into your practice space mm. and some of them are saying you know play you know fly me to the moon or something you know exactly <laughs> it's cool. exactly it, it was it was really cool and i did do a few towards the end before the um before the the, the platform before they took off that that platform um a, a few solo ones and it was a different vibe and it was still great and yeah but it was definitely an adjustment as it as w- especially when it's you know 
it's a lot I found it a lot scarier that was the first time that I was playing piano um in in a performance setting um super nervous these are like my songs that no one ever heard before it was like a part of my like dirty secret that when I was at college I was writing songs and um it felt yeah it felt very different and but yeah it was great it was it was a good time yeah yeah there's I mean we I think the one there were a couple of positives that came out of that experience of a lot of negatives and mm. you know that sort of like making means with like being creative in your own personal space um you know pushed people to do make decisions and try things that they normally don't mm. so you know limitations and you know albeit at a sort of like very you know anxiety ridden environment cost yeah <laughs> um did make us all kind of like do different things and which i think you know out of out of struggle sometimes you know there's some positives or you push yourself to do things you don't normally do which can help you out down the road and like i have so mm-hmm. many friends who are musicians that when they got back out on tour like they would you know a lot of times be like oh tour man tour mm-hmm. you know but then after covid it was like they are ready to go they're just like yeah let's do it yeah and, no complaining about you know stinky vans or you know crowded schedules it was just like yeah we can go out and like connect with the audience which is so big you know yeah it's a big part of it um so when did you so coming out of school Mm. with this sort of like formal jazz education like did you feel like as soon as you were out of that atmosphere you were able did you feel like oh i'm gonna branch into like me or like, what was that like, that transition from the rigor of, you know, education to just like, okay, now you're out, just whatever, do your thing. Yeah, yeah. So I graduated in 2020. So my degree was sort of cut a bit short, um, which in a way um, kind of, yeah, it was quite interesting. It kind of worked in terms of transitioning from the college environment to the not college environment um yeah kind of dwindling dwindling out those classes and um had a lot of really interesting conversations with tutors there that I think I wouldn't have had just about yeah reframing and recontextualizing study and self-study and kind of putting it all back into perspective of like what you know what is this all about um and I think talking about new opportunities through that time if we hadn't had COVID, um, again, obviously the many atrocities in that time, very sad time. But for me, an, opp- an opportunity was that I think if it hadn't happened, I could have just kind of coasted a bit doing jazz work, uh, like as working jazz musician and been in other people's bands and tried to stay busy as possible, like that being the sort of currency for your success of like how much work am I getting how many people am I playing right. with and um as opposed to the sort of deeper question of like if this is this what I need to be saying and this is is this creatively fulfilling and um is this kind of all that I can give um creatively and what ended up happening was this is kind of a it's a funny story but I was doing a lot of yoga. I did my yoga teacher training in, during lockdown and I was on a on a Zoom yoga class and someone on that on that call that I'd never met before said, oh, would you mind if I sent your Instagram to um, a friend of mine? And I wasn't really doing much on social media, but except for these live streams. And I said like, sure. Like, what? And he said, yeah, he works in music and 
I've heard that a lot before when you know you like everyone says like oh I know one person and they they right. run Sony so uh, you know just give give me your this and it's all going to be great um and anyway he ended up getting in touch and asked if I had any original music to send and I and I sent the like a demo I had had of Infinity which is um the first song I ended up releasing um but I had no plans to release it at the time I just it was something that I had written and and had to had to write and the idea of releasing anything was terrifying. I'd seen a lot of friends work so hard to get their music out there and feel disappointed or let down or either ignored by the industry or chewed up and spat out by the industry. And I just sort of thought like, oh, I, I can't even, I don't think I can take it. Um, yeah. But this guy um, heard Infinity and said he really liked it and would I like, would, and we had a conversation and, um yeah two years later he's now my my manager i've got um and we sort of stayed in touch him and a, and a friend of his so um and they kind of were like you know this is this is really great and it's worth it's worth releasing and people are going to connect to this and i think that a vote of confidence from someone that had no no reason to to in my eyes no no reason to believe in me like they had no ties they had they didn't owe me anything and right. for them just to be like, we really believe in this and we think you, that would be a great thing for you to do. It's instilled a lot of confidence in me um, and made it seem like a, like a possibility. They were like, you know, what's your, what's your dream? And I was like, my dream, I don't know, like play another gig one day, you know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sing and, and, Right, like, yeah, I just didn't even want to even open that door because it felt like it was, it was such a brutal time to be a musician. It was like, yeah, I didn't want to dream big because it just felt so unattainable. Um, yeah. yeah, but it was to kind of open that, open that conversation again um, for me. And that's, that's when I committed to that world and thought, you know what, this is really where my like heart lies and this is what I want to do with my with my time and and energy and I feel like this is the best thing I can give um yeah did that open up the door to kind of like you feeling like more authorship of your own voice not literal voice but when what you're creating musically mm. um was supported or that you wanted to do because I mean you you can always I mean some people can't do that um, you can always lean on, you know, your abilities to gig or to session and do, you know, it's kind of like an art. It's like some people have a creative voice and they're not gifted. Mm. I'm not talking about anyone specifically. <laughs> <laughs> they're not like naturally just, you know, they can go off and like bump off portraits of people that look amazing and, you know, support themselves through that. Mm. It's just like you, you're your limitations it's not like the ramones were gonna go do you know wedding gigs yeah absolutely <laughs> so yeah. so i mean what you, key do you want to do this one in you know <laughs> <laughs> right. e again okay yeah so but yeah i mean what you know you did you feel more sort of like impetus to like start to explore or i don't know if you were just doing because you called them like your dirty little secret recordings or, mm. or songs but were you doing it all the while or did it put more fuel in the fire of like you know establishing your own kind of like voice and what you want to make yeah i i think it did it it gave me it i gave myself permission to 
to really throw myself into it and to, to get that craft good. And I think it was the kind of thing that I was like, didn't even want to, I didn't want to try too hard because then I could fail sort of thing. Um, and when it was interestingly with that, with that thing that you're saying about like your capability, um, like your virtuosic cap- capability actually kind of being like a hindrance to expression. That was something that I thought about a lot when I was at college and I was like really afraid of it. But also I was in a kind of a weird space because I, I wanted to be like the best that I could be and like show everyone. Um, Cause there was also, there weren't any singers on the course and very few girls. So I think I had a bit of like, a, I wanted to prove myself and that I could do it too. Um, but then I kind of get some of those limits. I get to it and be like, oh, but you know, what, what's the thing that people connect to when I'm, when I'm not singing something clever? Um, I was really afraid of losing that and maybe afraid that that wasn't going to be good enough. Um, that, that like the, the magic thing that connects you to someone that I, that I had, that we all have, but the one, the bit that I had was going to be lost by getting kind of caught up in, in virtuosity. Right. So yeah, I guess it gave me to have people hear it that had no reason to care other than just that connection and be like, we, we think that this is worth pursuing and it is possible. And that, that was enough for me to be like, oh, okay, I need to, I need to jump in here. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting too, that there's so, it feels like there's so much flux in the way that music enters the public now than it used to be. I mean, cause you know, it used to be, you find a record label, they put out your records, then it started being streaming. Like you put out on a record label, they upload. Now there's so many ways that people are getting the music out there. But there is a lot of performative stuff too online. I mean, there's people who just get famous like singing on Amigo to people. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, Which yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a different kind of one-on-one connection, I guess. And then this, the secondary connection of other people voyeuristically looking in at that, mm. which I'm sure your mom would be interested in like delving into the psychology of how music, you know, it's a whole different experience. Mm. But um, it's interesting. There's so many ways for people to get the music out there that it seems like that's such a bigger choice than it used to be. Mm. You know, how am I going to, how is my music going to get out to the public? And it's, you know, it's a, a blessing, but I'm sure it's kind of a curse in a way too, because it's like, there could be paralysis of like, well, I don't, I just put it on SoundCloud or YouTube or like, what, you know, how do I, what's the best way to connect with the most people with the music? Mm. You know, is that something that you navigate really? Or are you just kind of like, try not to think about it yes I am very grateful to have a team to have that conversation with um and I yeah I just want to give my music the best chances it it can right um yeah and I also want to spend as much energy as I possibly can just working on that music there aren't enough hours in the day so it is something that I think about and I guess with the whole social media side, it feels like there's a lot of pressure to be like a videographer and, and a photographer and a model right. and a yeah visual artist and um, PR specialist in how I, th- there's actually, I'm at the moment working on my next EP and there's a song um, that I th- wasn't sure if I was going to release because it's um, just feels a bit too raw. Um, and just, a, 
the expectation now is with every song that you release, if it's an album or an EP, but you're basically releasing singles, right? And you spend a month creating a vehicle to get that song out. And I was just thinking like, there is no way I could stand with a camera in my face being like, this song's about my my friend that's died and I really hope you listen to it. Like what right. the hell? Like that's obscene to me. Um, that So I'm gonna have to think and spend a lot of time with hopefully my my team will have some some good insights um as it kind of takes place but like with the platforms that we have and the ways people are consuming stuff how can i how can i tell the story to give these songs the best chance that they've got to connect with people um yeah i don't i it's such it's such a crazy time i think for in in that sense it it I think it mirrors just like the internet and everything else. There's so many possibilities and so many options and so many things that it's almost like exhausting even before you do it. Yeah. <laughs> but some people figure it out. Like some people release a record and then it's like a string of videos or they'll do a movie or they'll, or they'll just go in hiding or not talk to the public at all and just release something and it's not advertised. You know, people get creative with it in ways that surprises people, mm. you know, that's interesting. But yeah, it's just um sometimes I appreciate the fact that I just go into a white cube and like make paintings and then, you know, stick them up in a gallery for a month and it's just something <laughs> kind of simple about that. Yeah, that sounds or beautiful. Organic. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it has its moments, but it there is something nice to the the rawness of that, you know. Yeah. But then again, there's so many people these days who are like posting reels of like how I made this piece in 30 seconds or whatever. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Th- 30 years of work in 30 seconds. Right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Which is funny because I used to, when I used to give talks about my work, I used to do this thing where I had like a, a square pusher song and it was like a really quick drum and bass thing and it was like everything I made in the last 10 years and like in one minute oh no way and it felt really you know and i had to like make the video of like all these clips nowadays that would be like yeah whatever like everyone can do that in 10 seconds Mm -hmm. yeah exactly but at the time it felt kind of (laughs) cool yeah and i I think a lot of it i i find quite interesting in how your how one's art or how like the kind of person that you are how what area that you're like living in so for example someone like lewis cole right he did those he started making those short songs maybe it was like six years ago like quite a while ago yeah. um mm-hmm. the one about like my the bank account one and that that really and, and it was like i truly believe that that is the most authentic expression of of his art i think that's how his brain works because and he used to yeah. do it at his shows i don't know if he still does um like when he sort of play all the beats that he's he'd written back to back and they're like a minute each and they just keep like he just cycle through them and that was a part of who he is so when it was just really great luck that the era that he exists in that he's creating in is a time where we have the technology to make it super like in a relatively easy way and that's the kind of stuff people are consuming with great excitement and i think that's right he's doing it amazingly and he deserves all the success that that he has and 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 some but um I think it's yeah just quite interesting of how like you, you like you said that with your this kind of thing that you had well, how, how long ago did you say that was that oh god that was in the early 2000s right and it's just a, it's like a different time what 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 excites people and how people consume yeah. things 
But and you're also, also right, just what you were saying about people finding creative ways and different ways to market, for lack of a better word, the thing that they're yeah. making. And you can still be different and exciting and you don't have to just do the same thing as everyone else. It requires a lot of, a lot of work, which is good. Yeah, it does. And it's hard too because if you're, like you said, it's nice when you have a team. But if you were just you working on stuff, mm. you know, it's that's really because you you will see a lot of people who clearly are spending way like the bulk of their time on the packaging mm. of what they're doing than the actual making of what they're doing, mm. which can be a little bit of a pitfall. Yeah, know? and it gets you so. I mean, I've always said that my my goal in what I'm doing is so that. I can be making music when I'm the best. I want the best gig I ever do to be when I'm 85. Like that's, I'm playing the long game. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of, a lot of people, I think, not like playing the short game and playing it really well. So, you, so you're sort of competing with that. There's space for everyone, but sometimes it can feel like it's, it's competing. Um, when there's, you know, back-to-back stuff and you're fighting for people's attention in like yeah. a literal sense. Um, Will that be the 85-year-old version of you, the AI version or the real version? <laughs> yeah, hopefully the, hopefully the latter. Isn't it crazy, like, that, what they're doing with music? Like, they're releasing, like, Biggie songs that are, like, AI. Yeah. And like, yeah, this is good. And they're, like, putting on a playlist and stuff. Yeah. It's really weird. It is really weird. I don't know. I'm, I, I've, maybe I'm being stubborn about it. I have, oh, I have a lot of faith in, you know, some people who are like, you know, run, we're scared for our jobs. I don't think songwriters will ever, or artists are never going to cease to exist. No, no. I think it's the exact opposite. Like creativity is what sets things apart. Like mm. if anyone can do the tutorial, then what is being quote unquote good mean if something can do it better? Absolutely. Then, then it's authenticity that is going to be the, the sort of like, you know, the golden egg and it's like creative people lean on their own authenticity and their own voice, you know. And I, I, yeah, I don't worry sorry. about that at all. I think creative people will be in demand. I think, you know, it's the people whose jobs is just to, you know, spit out whatever information that a computer can do. That's what's going to be in jeopardy. Yeah. You know? And actually jazz is a really good example of that because now we have all of the information that no that none of the greats had, right? Um written down and there is very very few people now that compare to the level of greatness or the level of musicianship and um yeah i mean all those performers like performers like gene kelly um who the sort of triple threats and uh it's, it's of the era but it's not if they lived in this time they they wouldn't no one would be like oh yeah i wouldn't book I wouldn't book Billy Holiday because we can just, you you know what I mean? Like that's that's magic, yeah. and that's having actually having access to that information just means you have to, in some way, maybe maybe work just as hard to to sift through it, to still do the deep right. work and not just be overwhelmed by the surface level of of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is tangential, but. You know, Sun Ra was a great pianist, but mm. what made him Sun Ra wasn't his ability of playing a composition on the piano necessarily. Mm. It was his vision. It was what made him different in the way he, you know, imagined himself in relation to society and the world and outer space based on, you know, existing social conditions that made 
that's what made his piano and his his music so amazing mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of like the the unaiable segment of what human nature is is kind of what makes it great in a way you know yeah that is creativity in a sense i think yeah definitely and i love artists uh, yeah i'm thinking like artists like bjork or joni mitchell who kind of have this ever progressing developing or or, or herbie hancock with artists like this who are just constantly evolving and then you have artists like um Elliot Smith and Randy mm -hmm. Newman and who kind of just like riff off the same like the sound world of their thing never wildly changes and the devices they use are like not there's not many groundbreaking moments once they kind of establish their world but there is still yeah I don't know there are so many like Randy Newman ballads or or Elliot Smith songs in like six eight and if you listen to like three seconds of it, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is, this is the same, maybe the same song. And then you get deep into it and there's like all of this new nuance and, and magic that just is, is untouchable. Yeah. 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 It's different. There's, there's a, there's a beauty to both of it. You know, it's like the Picassos of the world versus, you know, um, I mean, who's someone who did something over and over again. I don't know. Like there's a Japanese artist, his name is Ankawada and he just painted the date every day like he would paint the date on the date that he did it and that was his work for his whole life pretty much so wow. you know there's something really beautiful about both of those things yeah this, you know? isn't there a thing about the, the 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 lily pad the monet lily pad image of like uh painting and that being like well that's the you know 200th time he painted that scene but but the famous picture is the one that we remember you know because it's like the masterpiece oh, yeah, of all of right. that i probably butchered that story yeah slightly, no but. definitely did iterations i mean you know Picasso did a, a cover of Las Meninas, which is a you know famous painting, and he did so many versions of it, you know, as like studies. Mm. It's like, you know, cover songs of like, that's the beauty of it is the, the voice of the person who's covering it is different, you know? Yeah. It's like a different version of it, which kind of reinvents the song in a way. I mean, sometimes it may be not quite as good. Sometimes it could be even better, you know? It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, I think also, yeah, in a time that there's a lot of pressure, but I guess it's in all industries, but it feels like a, a lot, I'm, I'm noticing it a lot in, in music industry that people have to be a jack of all trades. Like you, ha if you have a session with a writer, they have to be a pretty good writer, a pretty good producer, a pretty good engineer to record what you wrote in the day and, um, be good at diarying and be blah 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 like a nice person on because it's kind of like dating it felt like i've I, I find i'm pretty new to the session writing thing but it feels like a first date um mm -hmm. and what's my point just that to just do one thing over and over again for ages yeah. and just you know move the microphone we'll try it on this recording the the mics on the piano to do it like a millimeter to the left how does that sound and sit and sit with that or or having one vinyl for the for the month you buy one vinyl a month and you listen to that over and over again there's just so much goodness in that yeah no it's a deep dive i mean there's a beauty to both of it you mm. know i went to uh when i first moved to where i was going for graduate school I didn't move any of my stuff yet 
and I went out and I bought a C and Cake, the the first C and Cake record, and I listened to that thing maybe like three weeks straight, nothing else. Damn, so good. And I really, really know that record. That's <laughs> you so know, there's great. something beautiful about like getting into that, like the wormhole of a record and just like really deep diving it. Do you have any of those like records that you just you spent you know way too much time with? Oh my god, yes. Um... What? Now, the only ones that can come to mind, embarrassingly, are like <laughs> Dangerously no in Love by Beyonce. I listened to that record that. so many times. Yeah. Um, that was like... And then... Oh, come on, think of some cooler records. I was going to say like... Um... It doesn't have to be cool. I mean, I listened to Van Halen's 1984 when I was a kid, probably. I mean... <laughs> 200 million times. This so... Yeah, at what point does the uncool become cool? That's a good point. Maybe 10 plus years? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's like the know. fashion, right? Like disco in, in the 80s and 90s was just like, you do not go there. And now, like, people are great banging disco tracks happening all the time yeah yeah it's back my my actually there was some funk records my dad's quite into like funk music there was some funk like it was compilation cds i just listened to mm-hmm. like inside out like a, i mean a couple of jazz records like um wayne shorter's like adam's apple that record i had oh that's a good one does that have footprints on it uh no, no that's on footprints i think is that right i think so is footprints its own record pretty sure that footprints is a great song yeah and to the but yeah, Adam's apple's good. Yeah, there was, and I kind of didn't realize how deeply I knew I knew that. Um, that you just listen back now, and you're like, oh, oh. Then like, Pet Sounds, I listened to like on repeat. Some Charlie, some like old Charlie Parker records, like like uh, yeah, rinsed, absolutely rinsed. Um, there was some. Yeah. We're spoiled here in New York because we have. WKCR and uh, Phil Schapp does the bird flight mm. every morning where it was like Charlie Parker. And I used to listen to that every single morning. It's like an hour of Charlie Parker and he does deep dive stuff on it. Amazing. It's pretty amazing. But yeah, I can do, I could, you know, I think I probably put in the 10,000 hours of being able to scat those Charlie Parker songs without even trying. It oh becomes God. like, you know. And that's the beautiful memory. thing, isn't it? Like, I, yeah, to, to subconsciously transcribe. That's how you know it's m- beautiful music. Yeah. I used to just listen to it. I remember just in on like family holidays, just on my like iPod, just listening to Yeah, on repeat. Um well, the, oh, the the scat relation, but not to derail you from the, your maybe this will give you a little time if you have any others that you think of. But Darwin D's. The one thing, I listen to a lot of Darwin D's. Sorry. Who's Dar- Wait, Do you know uh-oh. Darwin D's? I don't know. Uh oh. I don't know who that is. That, that that's okay. <laughs> he, what what's Darwin D's? He he's I I think he's He's not in New York anymore, but he was. I, I met him in New York a few years ago, but he, he his like big hit, um, I think it's his, his self-titled record, which was like pretty big, maybe like 10 years ago. Um, but then he had an, another another record with songs from Narrative People that was amazing. Oh yeah, then that, that Dirty Projectors record. Oh uh, yeah, it's right. Okay, now, now I'm, what were you going to say? I'm, I'm back. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Oh no, that's good. Um, we can... <laughs> 
it's hard. Like those kind of questions are hard because like an hour later you're gonna be like, oh man, I used to listen to Headhunters. Like, Dude, you seriously. Know. Oh, Shirley Horn. There's a record of Shirley Horns. Uh, it's got a blue cover. It's got a, there's a boat that's leaving soon to New York. I rinsed that album. There are so many. I'm gonna nice. yeah. You'll definitely get an email from me in an hour's time. Just right, like right. these are the really important records that I completely forgot about. There we go. We'll get the AI voice <laughs> and we'll just insert it into <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That would be quite handy. But the thing I didn't want to let pass before I mercifully let you out of this podcast is that in watching, because the scatting brought it up in my mind, Mm. the thing that I wanted to say is it's not that your voice is so beautiful that makes it like amazing. It's like the soulfulness in the way that you're singing. Mm. It just feels like you feel it when you listen to it. So when I heard you sing Solitude, like I, I just like, I don't know, it kind of like shorted a wire or something. Oh. It was like, I almost got a little teary. It was really good. Thank you. But you know what I mean? Like that, emo- and clearly you need to go thank your mother because it's all that <laughs> child psychology. <laughs> it's the weight, yep. it's the weight and burden of living under that tyrannical regime of child psychology exactly. has forced emotion to emote out of you with every single note. So you have her to thank and and rue over that <laughs> i do have her to thank um, she, wait she's not gonna listen to this is she 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 probably will she's a big oh, fan so. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't give her my email yeah <laughs> yeah well th- yeah that's really lovely to hear um and that's all i ever want to do i think that's the people that um who kill the tune yards record a record mm-hmm. like that may she's yeah Meryl Garb is not the most beautiful or like Darwin D's not the most beautiful Sam Amadon there's a record called Lilio that I that I was one of my first vinyls that I listened to loads um all of those singers are not great beautiful singers uh Billie Holiday they say Billie Holiday but Chad Baker is one of my favorite singers of all time. And people are like, yeah, Chad Baker, not a good singer. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's amazing. <laughs> and people are just like, yeah, he wasn't a gifted singer, but I love it. Mm. I think it's amazing. But I can see what they're saying. He's maybe he's not technically the best singer, but I mean. Yeah, he's not like Mel Torme. He's not got this kind of virtuosity in his, or, you know, Frank Sinatra, where it's <laughs> like this, you know. Mel <laughs> The Velvet Fog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love his version of Dat Dare. It's such a great... He's goofy. Yeah. You know. I like that. But yeah. He's a great entertainer. Yeah, he is. And Bobby a great Short. voice. A big voice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Do you know the story about the Chet Baker story? That the reason why he si- he started singing was because he... his had, teeth banged out. Yeah, and couldn't play trumpet. He a drug dealer for heroin. Yeah, yeah. I've read books on... I've read a lot... I don't read much, but I've read a lot of jazz. Okay. Um, a lot of biographies. Good stories. I don't know if you've read like the Grant Green one is good. The Herbie Hancock Possibilities one. It's on my list. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. The Miles Davis kind of blue one. Did you ever? That's another question I want to ask you. I'm going to jump all over the place here. Um, Let's do it. Is there is there a uh, this is a stupid question I could find? Is there a vocal version of Giant Steps? There are some versions. I wouldn't say there is a definitive version. Um, Did someone just make shit? They were just like, yeah, just make some words up to this. Yeah, there are some quite terrible, quite terrible words. Um, that song though is amazing. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's so iconic, and 
I mean, the original version, there's very, I would say there's very few jazz songs, jazz, jazz standards where usually there's like, I mean, no, there's lots of great recordings of Giant Steps, but I still think that, that the original recording of John Coltrane playing Giant Steps is like the most like humbling, beautiful yeah. playing. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's some, it's like giant and in giant shoes it's like really it's quite oh, no they didn't yeah really we, oh boy i mean i guess that post vocalese time that you'd like post lampy henderson ross like where there is i think in their writing there is there is comedy and there is lightness and and there is a lot of skill and craft but there's also from at that time onwards some pretty like there's you do you know that tune bop boplicity yes and there's a lyric to that, which is like, um, it began as an experiment, a little new, but with the time heavily spent, it woke up musical minds and hey, it sure made a dent. And then we know that Bebop lives. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a cat who then started to scat. He made impressions that establishing a school became a popular pastime when Bob was in its prime. <laughs> it's like, like a history lesson. <laughs> was that Professor Bob who wrote that? I don't know who or wrote no, it, actually. Professor Bob was a song, I think think right i don't know yeah. professor bop yeah we gotta google that yeah definitely i just uh, when you i actually i don't think that's happened with me in a while but i actually started blushing when you started singing i wasn't trying to bait you into singing but <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> oh that's what you got lucky you uh oh that that's all yeah because um oh yeah it is babs gonzalez oh great okay he wrote the song or he sang the song professor bob I don't know if you know Babs. I don't. But he was, uh, he was um, the the influence of Dizzy Gillespie. Like Dizzy was influenced by him, and he was one of the first scatters. Ah. And but he was a real piece of work, supposedly. There's some stories about him at jazz clubs and just being this like, you know, <laughs> a wacky guy. Wow. But really, really good stuff. Hard to find his stuff, although now it's online everywhere. I'm sure. Babs Gonzalez. Babs, like B-A-B-Z or S? Gonzalez, yeah. But he was great. Great, I'll, I'll check it out. I thought of another, another record to add to the list. Um, it's where I'm, that Stevie Wonder record, Where I'm Coming From. Well, also, like, like also the, the classic Stevie records of, you know, um, Songs in the Key of Life. That was a huge record for me. And, well, um, I mean, that, that record's, I mean, come on. Exactly, exactly. Do you like My Piano by Diana Ross? Do you know that song? No, my piano. I never really got a lot like hugely into Diana Ross, to be honest. Me neither, but my brother introduced me to that song, and it's just, it's such a great song. Oh, great. oh Bre- the Beach Boys, Brian like Brian Wilson songs. Okay, um, my old piano. Okay, I'll have a listen to this, Diana Ross. Yeah, it's good, good song, and that leads me to another question. I love that you're just sprinkling them in here. <laughs> you're like, wait, there's other ones. <laughs> I can't bear um, to, to hang up. Should we make a yeah. Should we make a Spotify playlist? Let's do it. The, I, I love the that. records I forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Homework. Um. Oh, what was it? oh, and I was going to ask you too because um, do you ever feel compelled, interested, or maybe you have done it and I've missed it? But um, there's a lot of like amazing singers who will sort of like fuse in with some like electronic stuff. I mean, have you ever, you know, thought of that or worked on things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a world that I want to, I definitely want to explore. Um, yeah. I yeah the the last couple couple of months for me have been 
musically a lot about working out the sound world for this next EP and how and trying different environments that the songs can sit um and working yeah working with different people and I th- I think you know the first EP was recorded at, at my house and I, there was no producer and it was very like I felt quite headstrong about it being mine and um then I tried to I spent a few months trying to like learn how to how to produce quote unquote and like kind of get logic together and figure out how to do everything and do it all myself I think a lot of jazz musicians have this kind of obsession with it with it being yours and that that's your true artistry like there's there's very rarely co-writes in jazz and if there is some one person will take credit for it see sort of yeah. Ellington Strayhorn for 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 evidence <laughs> of that um and yeah it's it's quite like a lonely pursuit and i felt like i had to i had to be that and i ha- like i wouldn't wouldn't be able to like use other sound worlds that i that i that are new to me until i kind of had a grasp on them and i knew that i could put them there um and I, yeah i just spent the last few months realizing that actually i just doesn't have to be the case i think i can still be like well there's actually there's a bjork interview where she says um well it's it's just uh, just a comment really she just says like well you know i do everything to the best of my ability make it the best it can be and then i bring in someone sorry that's really loud can you hear that that's yeah, just a little bit of lawn work <laughs> yeah it's <a> <laughs> or is it a motorcycle it's one of the two it's not really a lawn out there so maybe it's <laughs> it could be a motorcycle um she says, I do everything to the best of my ability and then I bring in people who are the, like, the best in the world at their craft to, yeah. to like, take it to the next level. And I was like, oh my God, of course. Why wouldn't I do that? That makes the you know, people that I respect. And so anyway, my point being that I'm exploring a way to bring in other like non-acoustic elements or, or acoustic elements that have been treated and... Um, finding a way for them to like live with my songs and around my songs but still serving the song yeah. and not getting too carried away with that other world the other the other the other thing which i can just spend forever going down synth sounds and i've spent days and days and i will continue to like exploring that world but i think where i'm at right now is that it's just got to be built around the song and yeah. can be in there sporadically but it's it's my voice and it's my song and um do you know that do you know that Bonnie Vare record? Um what's it called? It's where it's the one where all of the tracks are like dots and dashes and kind of random words and Oh, I think I know what you're doing. I mean, I've listened to that stuff online, so and and truly tapping into a younger demographic, I don't have the records. I just have heard songs, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And oh, it's called Twenty Two A Million. That that it it's a very it's a cool example of that just because it has the acoustic side in the song and it's kind of close up and then you also have like another world in the distance mm-hmm. and that's something that I would love that's I feel like where I'm at that I want to take my songs I want them to be a place where we could give the other side of a coin a little bit right. and maybe one day it will just be totally in that world and I'd love yeah. that and I'd love to collaborate with people who know that stuff inside out and learn so much about it um yeah I did some yeah, recordings a history of, you. of that right like mm. of like nice like accomplished singers like on electronic tracks there's kind of a little bit of a history to that but it can feel a little cut and paste at times but 
I mean, some people do it really. Like, uh, I really love uh, Yukimi Nagano's voice. Do you know her? No. She's the lead singer of Little Dragon. But um, Oh, she, yeah. Amazing voice. I think that fuse, her voice fuses with that kind of music really well. Definitely. That's a great example. And it, her voice is, is still quite, feels very raw. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about it that she's, there still feels like a really emotional element, the way that, like, that her voice reacts to that kind of treated sound. It still feels like it's able to connect with you. And I, I think I haven't worked out how my voice does that. I, um, yeah, to like cut, to cut through it, to connect with someone. And um, I thought of another record. My ADHD brain is, is kind of going a bit mad. Um, but Becca Stevens, who's, uh, do you know Becca? She's based in, uh, well, she, was, she has been based in New York for a long time. I don't, um, but you're giving me some people to listen to later. Our is playlist nice. is going to be really full. Yeah. Um, I'll set like up the Spotify later records. today. We'll oh, do great. the collaborative playlist people can listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so music is it's really good, isn't it? It's good stuff. And you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, working on it. Thank you. Sure. So how can people find your stuff? What's the best way? Um, Spotify, I have my first EP out, which is only four songs. It came out last year, um, and two string versions. Um, and there's, I've got music on YouTube, some little bits and pieces, leftover streams from the good old days from Reddit. Those are um, good. I vouch for those. <laughs> they, yeah, they're joyous, joyous moments. And... Instagram I'm posting clips of stuff um I actually would like to get back into I think I will do a live stream on the weekend um on my YouTube nice so I guess I'm coming I also have TikTok but I'm working on that I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, coming at that? the world I'm with all <laughs> yeah too old for that <laughs> don't worry about it I've Just, aged out <laughs> yeah <laughs> coming at you with from all angles from just yeah seeing what sticks I think that was the thing about with the Reddit live streams, because it was long form and I don't know, whatever reasons it was, I felt that I could connect with people and it was, I was like, this is how I can do social media. This works for me. I can be yeah. myself. People are getting to know me. They're getting to know my songs and it's candid. It's, it's authentic for lack of a better word. And now I'm trying to work out how to do that on other platforms. So Come to all of them. Come to all of the platforms and uh, we'll see. See what sticks. Yeah. Well, um, again, I'm a huge fan. So thanks so much for taking Thank the you. time out. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you. And I look forward to our, our playlist. Yeah, I'm going to set it up. <laughs> I get along without you very well. Of course I do. Except when soft rain falls and drips from leaves Then I recall the thrill of being sheltered in your arms Of course I do But I get along without you very well I've forgotten you just like I should Of course
Break my heart into. 